Located in a beautiful and easily accessible region of the Blue Ridge Mountains and cradled atop a scenic mountain plateau sitting 2,200 feet in elevation, Hendersonville, North Carolina has become a place where people love to visit, parents want to raise their children, and retired folks want to enjoy their non-working days. Much of what made the region a popular destination 200 years ago, its agriculture, distinct four-season climate, and vibrant downtown district, are still very important parts of its identity today. The vibrancy of this mountain town was threatened in the 1970s though, and Hendersonville faced a dilemma common to many rural American communities. Strip shopping centers were beginning to locate on the outskirts of town, and the town started losing its lure and identity as the business hub. In this episode, we discover how a forward-thinking city council, in an effort to preserve and protect the rich heritage of downtown, recognized that Main Street needed to be a destination experience for residents and visitors. We'll explore efforts that led to historic downtown Hendersonville being entered into the National Register for Historic Places and earning designation as a 2020 accredited Main Street America program. We'll also discover how the close proximity to so many natural resources attracts adventure seekers and outdoor enthusiasts, and why visitors to Hendersonville enjoy this vibrant town that's an ideal spot in the Blue Ridge Mountains. No discussion about Hendersonville would be complete without talking about agritourism. Henderson County is the largest apple-producing county in North Carolina and ranks in the top 20 nationally. It is the reason thousands of people flock to this area in the fall to experience the time-honored tradition of fall apple picking. Hendersonville is a small modern mountain town with a big personality. You're listening to Exploration Local, a podcast designed to explore and celebrate the people and places that make the Blue Ridge and Southern Appalachian Mountains special and unique. My name is Mike Andrus, the host of Exploration Local. Join us on our journey to explore these mountains and discover how they fuel a spirit of adventure. We encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Let's go. Henderson County's flourishing history can be traced all the way back to its settlement in the 18th century by William Mills and his wife Eleanor. They made their home in the Fruitland area and they raised their family of seven children. Each year, Mr. Mills planted hundreds of fruit trees, and seeing them thrive, his neighbors began imitating him. Thus, William Mills became the father of the county's apple industry, the forerunner of the multi-million dollar production of today. As in many other areas of western North Carolina, the county's history has really close ties to agriculture. In fact, agriculture was the primary livelihood of most of Henderson County's residents during the 18th century. Their major crops were corn and wheat, rye, grass, potatoes, cabbage, and of course, the king of the crops in this area, apples. Another source of revenue for many settlers came from early tourism, believe it or not. Prior to its incorporation in the early 1800s, the Hendersonville Flat Rock area had become a popular summer resort for wealthy South Carolina planters and dwellers who wished to escape the intense heat, insects, and diseases of the low country. Early on, eight townships provided leadership within Henderson County. The county's townships were Hendersonville, Blue Ridge, Green River, Edneyville, Mills River, Hooper's Creek, Crab Creek, and Clear Creek. These townships were active and became the foundation for the county as we know it today. 
Prior to 1879, dusty dirt roads maintained by township residents provided the only means of transportation. Many of the roads were first built in the period between 1800 and 1840. The Buncombe Turnpike, a 75-mile route built in the 1820s through western North Carolina, provided easy access for the lowlands of South Carolina, and Hendersonville quickly became a vacation destination in summer months to escape the sweltering heat of the South. While the turnpike was used until the 1880s, the arrival of railroads in the late 1860s marked its decline. Yet for more than half a century, it had served as the main route of transportation through the highlands, a true road to prosperity for all of western North Carolina. The railroad brought a degree of urbanization and industrialization to Henderson County by making it easier to travel and to ship products. Railroads became the basis for additional settlement, the provision of jobs, and the creation of stores, businesses, and industries. The railroad also brought seasonal visitors, which was the beginning of a long-lasting travel and tourism industry, and the greatest influence on the physical development of Hendersonville in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. According to the Hendersonville Historic Preservation Commission, by 1910, contiguous rows of mostly two-story brick buildings characterized Main Street's commercial core. These buildings contained an array of hardware, photography, dry cleaning, general mercantile, furniture, clothing, jewelry, and appliance stores. Travelers from the South Carolina coast to Hendersonville and tourists from northern Florida and Georgia now streamed into the mountains, and by the end of the summer of 1914, the Southern Railway reported some 50,000 tickets had been sold to travelers bound for Hendersonville. Hendersonville's history provides a really good backdrop for describing the county of the recent past and the present. Much of what made the Hendersonville and Flat Rock area popular in the 1800s makes it so today. Henderson County continues to be recognized as a summer community. This reputation has expanded such that the county has become a retirement haven. However, with a diverse and strong economic base made up of manufacturing, retail sales, agriculture, tourism, and service trades, the county attracts people of all ages with interests ranging from career advancement and educational opportunities to peaceful surroundings for vacation homes. In the mid-1970s, though, the mountain town of Hendersonville faced a dilemma common to many rural American communities, and it threatened the sustainability of the downtown area as well. Strip shopping centers were beginning to locate on the outskirts of town, and there was concern that a large regional shopping mall would lure even more shoppers away from the downtown businesses. On Main Street, the traditional commercial and social center of the community, 17 businesses had closed their doors and Main Street was declining. At night, Main Street attracted teenagers who would drag race their cars down the wide and straight roadway, and during the day, the roar of traffic on Main Street endangered pedestrians trying to cross four lanes of traffic and park cars. Hearing how Grand Junction, Colorado had revived its downtown, Hendersonville City Council members, community leaders, and downtown merchants traveled to the similarly sized Colorado Mountain Town to see what they could learn. The work that Grand Junction had completed inspired the town leaders so much that they returned to North Carolina ready to implement some of their own ideas for the rebirth of downtown. They recognized Main Street needed to be a destination where residents and visitors would be enticed out of their cars and encouraged to stroll and shop if downtown was going to survive. These characteristics would become pivotal benchmarks 
and a focused effort to preserve and protect the heritage of downtown Hendersonville. In order to provide a competitive shopping environment, the leaders determined that certain improvements and amenities needed to be provided, including slower traffic, easier pedestrian crossings, parking, and beautification. In 1978, the first streetscape project was funded, which overlaid a two-way serpentine street over the existing four-lane highway for six blocks of the downtown Main Street. Raised planters were installed and sidewalks were widened. Downtown Hendersonville continued to invest in improvements with historical significance like restoring homes and structures in downtown. And in March of 1988, Hendersonville was officially recognized for its efforts and entered into the National Register of Historic Places. In 2006, one more commercial block to the south was incorporated and the city also extended the Serpentine Street design. Community members and business owners in the original six-block design lobbied for updates to their existing sections, and between 2008 and 2013, all six blocks received the streetscape upgrades, plus mid-blocks at intersections, extended sidewalks for more walkability, updated street signage, and additional street parking. The result? One of the most unique, walkable, and inviting historic downtown destinations I've ever visited in western North Carolina. Our family moved here in 2013 in the project's final stages of renovation and construction. And while I cannot fully appreciate the difference between the four-lane road and the two-lane serpentine streetscape, I can tell you we have benefited greatly from the vision of so many leaders who had the foresight to preserve and protect this beautiful downtown area. In 2019 and stretching into 2020, the Downtown Hendersonville program completed several key projects in downtown, including the Gray Hosiery Mill Rehabilitation Project, which brought 35 new apartment units into the downtown area, the construction of public restrooms downtown, and the renovation of new program offices. The 7th Avenue Depot District is currently undergoing a renaissance as well. New businesses are opening and streetscape refresh projects that will improve the pedestrian and shopping experience in the district is currently underway. Because of Hendersonville's commitment to preserve and protect and revitalize its downtown, historic downtown Hendersonville has been designated as a 2020 accredited Main Street program, which is a subsidiary of the National Trust for Historic Preservation. Today, downtown Hendersonville is a vibrant and attractive getaway destination town. While the spring and summer naturally bring more visitors, I've been downtown in the middle of winter on a drizzly 35-degree day and still observe people out shopping and enjoying our beautiful town. So what exactly is it that makes historic downtown Hendersonville such an awesome town? If you live here or you've spent any amount of time here, then you already know why. If you haven't experienced downtown Hendersonville, lean in and I think you'll quickly discover why. Hendersonville is home to the State Theater of North Carolina, gorgeous waterfalls, scenic hiking, the East Coast headquarters of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, and a popular downtown with shops, boutiques, galleries, two dozen locally owned restaurants, and five craft breweries. In the last decade, Hendersonville has emerged from the shadows of nearby Asheville with possibilities as wide as its Main Street sidewalks. At the risk of sounding really cliche, 
Downtown Hendersonville is truly like taking a step back in time. It is a place where locals come to shop, connect with neighbors and friends, share a meal on sidewalk patios, and reconnect with family. It is vibrant, real, and authentic. And it's a place that welcomes visitors to experience for a weekend what locals get to experience year-round. A truly authentic, alive, and vibrant mountain town. Downtown street festivals and dance parties date back to 1918 when World War I soldiers were welcomed home. Today, that pastime continues with dance parties held July through mid-August. Music on Main has become a favorite summertime event for music lovers of all ages. Rhythm and Brews is a series of summer street concerts featuring the hottest regional bands from a variety of genres. Art on Main, an annual two-day festival in late September, features the incredible talents of gifted local artists. Garden Jubilee transforms Main Street into an eight-block sea of plants and gardening supplies Memorial Day weekend. More than 250 vendors line the street with shrubs, plants, flowers, trees, and accessories for one of the largest gardening shows in North Carolina, drawing over 200,000 people annually. Home for the Holidays celebrates the Christmas season with a full calendar of events beginning in mid-November and continues through New Year's Day. Highlights include a holiday skating rink, wagon rides on Main Street, holiday greenery markets, historic inns tours, tree lighting ceremony, festival lights along Main Street, a visit from Santa, and merchant open houses. And one of my all-time favorites, the North Carolina Apple Festival, which has celebrated Henderson County's place as the top apple-producing county in North Carolina for more than 70 years. This four-day festival draws 275,000 people on Labor Day weekend with a street fair on Main Street, live music, arts and crafts, children's activities, food, and lots and lots of fresh apples. Whether you're a shop local enthusiast, history buff, adventurer, or festival goer, historic downtown Hendersonville has something for people of all ages. Henderson County has a deep connection to the outdoors. During the height of the Roaring Twenties, with increased access by road and rail, summer camps began popping up. Today, there are more than 20 summer camps still operating in the area, and people who are looking for an adventure, they don't have to go very far from the heart of downtown. Located just five miles from downtown, passing through the beautiful community of Laurel Park, is Jump Off Rock, a drive-to scenic overlook with panoramic mountain views. Situated at 3,100 feet in elevation, Jump Off Rock is a great place to take in the long-range mountain views like Pisgah Mountain, which sits over 5,700 feet, and Cold Mountain, situated at just over 6,000 feet. You can throw down a blanket and enjoy the views, or hike one of the three short trails for a unique view of Jump Off Rock. Located just 11 miles out of town lies Camp Kanuka, a 1,400-acre camp that first opened in the early 1900s as a mountain retreat where families could escape the hot summers. Canuga's historic setting features a 30-acre lake, 20 miles of hiking trails, and full-service meeting and lodging facilities. Recently, Ride Canuga opened, which has 12 downhill-specific trails with a variety of skill levels. The trails are accessed by a climbing trail to the top, where riders can choose from several descent options ranging from beginner to the ultimate and expert trails. Ride Canuga has quickly become a destination all its own, and it complements the nearby Crown Jewel mountain bike locations like DuPont State Forest, which is 7 miles away, Pisgah National Forest, 17 miles away, and Riveter, 18 miles away. 
The Holmes Educational State Forest is a really hidden gem just eight and a half miles from downtown. The forest is home to a series of well-marked trails, including the Talking Tree Trails, as well as exhibits and displays depicting the ecology of a managed forest. Picnic sites with tables and a spacious picnic shelter are also available. It's currently open Tuesday through Friday right now, but beginning March 6th, it will be open on the weekends too. Just a few miles down the road, you'll find one of my absolute favorite locations in this area, the DuPont State Recreational Forest. It has over 10,000 acres stretching across Henderson and Transylvania counties. It is situated on the Little River Valley and is home to four absolutely breathtaking waterfalls, Triple Falls, Hooker Falls, High Falls, and Bridal Veil Falls. There are five lakes and 82 miles of trails and roads, popular motion pictures, the Hunger Games, and the last of the Mohicans shot scenes at DuPont's waterfalls. DuPont State Forest is a mountain biker's dream destination. It offers riders nearly 100 miles of trails ranging from easy forest roads to exciting steep and flowy single track. While some of the trails here are pretty typical for the region, a few others provide an experience not commonly found in the southern Appalachian Mountains, and that's Slick Rock. Because the trails have always been shared among all forest users, meaning hikers, mountain bikers, and equestrians, you're definitely likely to meet other bikers, horses, and hikers in this network of trails. So, courtesy is of the utmost importance. The best way to reach the waterfalls in DuPont State Forest is definitely hiking. There are two main parking lots to reach the falls. The first parking lot you'll come to off Staten Road as you're heading towards DuPont is the access to Hooker Falls. That's going to be on your right-hand side. You can reach Triple Falls and High Falls from this parking area as well. If you continue up the road, though, you'll come to another parking area on the left. From this parking area, you can access High Falls coming in from the top, which I highly recommend because of the different views that you'll get, as well as Bridal Veil Falls. From this lot, you can also access a huge network of gravel forest roads that can be used as connectors to the trails or simply use them for easy riding and hiking. If you really want a unique lodging experience while you're in the DuPont State Forest, be sure to check out locally owned DuPont Yurts that recently opened. If you haven't listened to the episode with DuPont Yurts, I highly encourage you to check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. They have three unbelievably beautiful and well-appointed full-service yurts for those looking for a more glamorous way to lodge. Also, check out the DuPont Canteen in the front of the property where you can pick up ice cream, locally brewed craft beers, and ciders. DuPont Canteen is a must-stop place for our family whenever we visit DuPont. I'm going to save the Pisgah National Forest for now and come back to that in a future episode, but from DuPont State Forest, you are so close. You're only about 14 miles or so from the Davidson River Campground, which is just within the borders of the Pisgah National Forest. And for quick reference... The Pisgah National Forest is actually divided into three ranger districts. The Pisgah Ranger District, which includes Mount Pisgah on the Blue Ridge Parkway, Brevard, Waynesville, and even Bent Creek, which is another amazing network of trails for mountain biking and hiking. Then you have the Appalachian Ranger District, and that's more on the North Carolina and Tennessee border, although Mount Mitchell and the Grandfather Mountain area also are included in this district. And then finally, the Grandfather District, whose predominant area is the Limville Gorge, and one of my favorites, the Wilson Creek area. Now, one thing I will mention is that if you're interested in heading into this area, I highly encourage you to check out maps from Pisgah Map Company if you're interested in hiking or mountain biking in the Pisgah Ranger District. Check them out at pisgahmapcompany.com or see the list of outfitters and distributors on their website. The Hendersonville Visitor Center now carries these maps, and you can also pick them up at the Mass General Store on Main Street in downtown Hendersonville, 
Next Ventures in Brevard, as well as D.D. Bullwinkles, I believe, in Brevard. As we swing back to the east, just a few miles outside of downtown Hendersonville and Mills River, you'll find the North Mills River Recreation Area. This is a secluded jewel for camping, fly fishing for rainbow, brook, and brown trout, hiking, mountain biking, and even tubing. Each campsite is only a short stroll from the swift, cool, shallow waters of the North Mills River. This area is far less populated than many other areas around, and it is actually one of my local secret spots to get away and unplug. I'm going to come back to this area in a minute when we talk about scenic drives. Carl Sandburg, the American poet, historian, author, and lecturer, spent the final 22 years of his life at his estate in Flat Rock. Today, the Carl Sandburg home is a National Historic Site that offers insight on Mr. Sandburg, his family, and their 264-acre working farm. Home tours are offered daily. There are also numerous hiking trails and a functional goat barn where Mrs. Sandberg raised her prize-winning goats. There are five miles of hiking trails located on the property, and each trail is easy to moderate. It only takes about 35 minutes to walk to the top of Glassy, where you end at a rock slab with a beautiful overlook. It's actually a really, really nice hike. The last area I'm going to mention is the Green River Gorge in Gamelands, which is in the southeast section of Henderson County. The Game Lands is a state-owned 10,000-acre section for wildlife conservation and contains some of the most rugged areas in western North Carolina. It is also home to one of the most premier whitewater kayaking events in the United States, the Green River Race through the Gorge Narrows, which is full-on powerful Class 5 rapids. While this section is only recommended for expert-level kayakers, you can hike into the gorge and watch this annual race. You can also hike in any other time of the year as well if you're up for the heart-pumping cardio burn. It is so hard, but it is so worth it. One word of caution if you decide to hike the gorge. Be prepared and be honest with your fitness level. This isn't a place to take unnecessary risks. Bring plenty of fluids, snacks, first aid, flashlight, and a paper map. The Pisgah Map Company is your go-to map for this area. The cartographers for these maps are not only some of the best map designers around, They've also been playing in these woods for years, and they know them well. The good news is that there's literally something for everyone on the Green River. The upper section and narrows, like I just talked about, is primarily for kayaking due to their remote nature, but the lower green has some of the most exhilarating tubing you will find anywhere. Swift currents, numerous rapids, and a rope swing. This is a family favorite for us, including my 74-year-old parents. While you're in the area definitely check out the Gorge Zipline Canopy Adventure. I'll talk more about that in a future episode where we talk about Saluda, North Carolina. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know I'm big on taking the scenic route, and the land around these mountains in Hendersonville is rich with scenic beauty. The Henderson County TDA has a really nice downloadable PDF for self-guided scenic mountain drives. I've traveled them all, and I think that they do a really good job with this. So I won't go into any great detail here, but I'll link to their website in the show notes. The truth is, you can leave out of downtown Hendersonville headed east or west on Highway 64 or south on 176 towards East Flat Rock, Saluda, and Tryon, and you'll quickly be on a scenic drive. For a simple drive, though, Head out on 64 East towards Chimney Rock, and you'll pass by several apple orchards with rolling hills and mountain vistas as a backdrop. 
You'll eventually come to the intersection with Highway 74 and Bat Cave, where you can take a left and travel through the western portion of the Hickory Nut Gorge, or take a right and travel through Chimney Rock and Lake Lure. Simply retrace your route back to Hendersonville. Two other resources I would highly encourage you to check out are the Cheers Trail Guide and the Orchard Trail Guide. These two guides will give you directions to 21 apple orchards and the 23 vineyards, breweries, and cideries that make up the Cheers Trail. While these aren't necessarily official scenic driving routes, in my opinion, to get to many of these vineyards, breweries, and cideries, you pass through some of the most beautiful topography in Henderson County, and you truly get a sense of the culture of this area. I'll link these two resources produced by the Hendersonville Visitor Center in the show notes. If you only have time for one scenic drive, consider heading up to Jump Off Rock. From downtown, head west on 5th Avenue. It will eventually become Laurel Park Highway and dead end at Jump Off Rock. You'll wind up and through the beautiful Laurel Park area, gaining nearly 1,000 feet in elevation, passing Echo Mountain Bed and Breakfast before you reach the summit. One word of caution, watch your speed and watch for cyclists that train in this area. Another scenic drive just outside of downtown Hendersonville is the historic Flat Rock Scenic Byway. It consists of several roads in the Flat Rock community. The main road, U.S. Highway 25, runs north and south through Flat Rock. The second road, Little River Road, proceeds west four miles from U.S. 25. And the third road is Rutledge Drive, which runs west from U.S. 25, one mile to Canuga Road. Another scenic drive just outside of downtown Hendersonville is the historic Flat Rock Scenic Byway. It consists of several roads in the Flat Rock community, The main road being U.S. Highway 25, which runs north and south through Flat Rock. The second road is the Little River Road, which proceeds west four miles from U.S. 25. And the third road is Rutledge Drive, which runs west from U.S. 25, one mile to Canuga Road. This scenic byway travels through eight miles of North Carolina's architectural, religious, and recreational history and offers a beautiful view of Glassy Mountain. On this drive, you'll see stately plantation homes, the St. John in the Wilderness Gothic Revival Church, which was built in 1836, and the old Flat Rock Post Office, which opened in 1839. Interestingly, the church is still active today and has a regularly attending congregation. Further on down the road, you'll see the Woodfield Inn, which has served as a popular retreat for over 150 years. Earlier, we talked about the Carl Sandburg National Memorial Site. You'll see the site on this drive, too. We'll include a detailed link to this drive in the show notes. Earlier, we talked about outdoor adventure opportunities in the DuPont State Forest. To get there, take Canuga Road out of downtown. It eventually becomes Crab Creek Road and is approximately 12 miles from there to DuPont State Recreational Forest. Turn left on DuPont Road just before the Transylvania County line and follow DuPont State Road for 3.1 miles. The Hooker Falls parking lot that we talked about earlier will be on the right just before the Little River Bridge. This is a really peaceful and lightly traveled route. It's so beautiful. If you're really interested in some awesome gravel scenic roads in this area, feel free to send me an email at mike at explorationlocal.com and I'd be happy to share some of those routes with you. I will share one of my favorites with you though, the North Mills River Recreation Area. This is the one I said I would come back to. This area does close in the off season and reopens in early spring. You really do not have to have a four-wheel drive to enjoy this back road getaway, but if you don't have a high-clearance vehicle, you're really going to want to take it slow on this road. So to get there, locate the Ingalls Mills River on Boylston Highway under GPS. North Mills River Road intersects with Boylston Highway. 
and the North Mills River Recreation Area lies at the end of North Mills River Road, so it's really easy to get to. Once you enter the recreation area, continue driving past the campground and past Big Creek Lodge, which will be on your left. After you pass the lodge, you essentially will be in a beautiful and unspoiled remote wilderness area. This road is called National Forest Service Road 1345. Primitive campsites are dotted along this route, but since the pandemic, they've been shut down. No word on when they're going to reopen. You will eventually gain elevation and pass mountain streams and creeks on this route, and you're going to give yourself probably about an hour till you reach the next major road. Once you pass the Wolf Ford Horse Camp, continue straight, and you'll eventually intersect with Highway 276 in the Pisgah Forest. If you make a right, you'll head towards the Blue Ridge Parkway. If you make a left, you'll be heading back towards Brevard through the Pisgah Forest and eventually intersect with Highway 64. The Hub Outfitters will be on your left. That's a marker for you. And you continue straight on 64, and you'll ultimately end up in downtown Hendersonville. So you can almost consider this a loop. There are so many places to discover and see in and around Hendersonville, and I truly believe scenic drives are a great way to experience our mountains. Whatever route you choose, I hope you enjoy all this area has to offer. Small towns are often defined by characteristics like a slower pace of life, family-oriented events, walkability, proximity to nature, and a sense of place that's not always evident in larger places. These are the exact attributes that drew our family here eight years ago and why, after spending many years chasing jobs and moving around the Southeast, we feel so fortunate to call Hendersonville home. It's easy to understand why Hendersonville is also a great town to visit and certainly isn't short on things to do and places to see. In fact, it's impossible to do it all in a weekend, which is why this town and area continually draw people back to it every year, year after year. The Hendersonville Visitor Center and the historic downtown Hendersonville Main Street program do an incredible job of promoting this area. I would highly encourage you to check out the Visitor Center's website, follow them on social media, and subscribe to their weekly podcast called the Hendersonville Travelogue to stay connected even when you can't be here. I hope you enjoyed our look back into history and the modern day discovery of Hendersonville, as well as a sample of the outdoor adventures you can enjoy in this section of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Don't forget to subscribe and please consider leaving us a review. It really helps us to reach more people. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. And until we meet again, I encourage you to wander far, but explore local.